So welcome to Jesus Church. Um, my name is Dylan. I, uh, we, uh, yeah, you want to come up here? Yeah. Yeah, would you like to? <laughs> I'm going to have Adria share just a little testimony with you guys about, um, yeah, just experiencing some healing in her body, okay? Good morning, guys. Um, you know what? Whenever I first started at Jesus Church, my very first night, um, we were still, you know, we were calling out healings right from the get-go. I mean, they had been doing it for six months, but I got there, and they were like, somebody got, you know, headache pain, and I was just like, me, I do. Um, and it was so weird to me that I didn't say anything, and I didn't raise my hand, and then later I was like, maybe it's me, and they were like, do you have headache pain? And I was like, I do, and they were like, it's you. Um, and so I just, I learned to start, like, actually identifying, like, yeah, man, I do want healing, and I do receive it, and I'm willing to take it. Um, and then I held on to one thing, it was back pain, because I felt like I deserved it. I felt like it was brought on by my own, like, years of poor, like, nutritional choices and smoking and all kinds of bad things. And then it occurred to me one day, well, I think it was really God talking to me, but what if he just wants me to be healed and then I can live right from there? And isn't that so much more like our father? Um, so I just went hiking with Taya one day and I was just like, you know what, this is what happened and I would love if you would pray for me. And she did. And I have not had back pain since I have slept so well and woke up with no headaches and no back pain. Praise God. So it was just, it's just, I, I just let him do it and it was out of his love that he wanted to. And that's what I wanted to share. Thank you guys. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Like what she said, a lot of times, man, we just get it backwards in Christianity or in our minds because that's not Christianity. But we get it backwards in our minds that, man, we got we to gotta do all these things and get everything in order. And then we're going to step into what God has for us. So then get, we're going to get receive from God what he promised us. Right? What, the gospel gives you an understanding that, man, he gave you everything. And out of that place, man, you respond and get to walk in everything that he's called you to. It's not the other way around, right? It's the goodness of the Lord that leads a man to repentance. It's the goodness of the Lord that leads a man to repentance. So Adria, right? She, God steps in, does something in her life, and it, it shows her, man, that is, like I don't have to, I didn't have to do all these things and then get healed, but now that I'm healed, I get to walk in these things. And the things that he's probably been talking to you for years about, you get to now walk in them easily because you see his goodness and you understand his character in his heart, right? Like healing is not just, it, it's cool that people get healed, like praise God. But it, it, it shows the heart of, you shut that for me. It shows the heart of God for, the brand has got it. It shows the heart of God and it shows the way that he thinks and the way that he, the way that he feels and, and what he thinks about you correctly, right? That's what healing does, is it shows, it doesn't just show the power of God, it sh which is praise God I'm all for, but it shows the, it shows the heart of God for us personally. Because it shows you that, man, this is what, like, he loves me even though I might have caused all this pain. He wants to step in and, and help me walk out of it. He doesn't just, he's not just going to be like, well, now you made your bed, sleep in it. That's what we think. We think, you know, you made your bed, now sleep in it. I, oh, praise God, I can be healed or I can be forgiven and I don't have to go to hell one day. But all the other stuff in my life that were brought on because of my poor decisions, now I have to live with all that. I love this one guy, he always says, he's like, Jesus, he's like, people are like, you know, you made your bed, now sleep in it. He's like, no, Jesus put new sheets on his bed. Like, you go and get in bed with the king. Like, don't sleep in your bed anymore, you know? Like, we, we, we think that, like, man, oh, no, I deserve this pain, or I deserve this shame, or I deserve this what, whatever. That you'll never live in conf confidence. You'll never live in boldness with the Lord. What that's, ultimately, what that's doing is just really slapping Jesus in the face, if you want to be bold with it is what it's doing. It's saying, man, your sacrifice really wasn't good enough to actually set me free from the mistake that I've made. So I'm going to have to wear this shame and beat myself up. And I'm going to have to earn, I'm going to, because of my poor choices now, I'm going to have to suffer with something that I, that I wish I could go back and change. Proves that it's not you in the first place, but I wish I could go back and change it. But now Jesus steps in and changes all of that. He doesn't just say, no, you no, you have to wear it. Right? Righteousness makes wrong things right. I talked about it last week. It makes wrong things right. 
that's sweet. It's just crazy because like, it's just crazy because that's what people because that's exactly what people think is like they'll they'll receive this part they'll receive this part but but this little thing right here that I struggle with or this little thing that is whatever from the past well those are my those are the mistakes that I've made now I have to walk in that and I have to like and now there's a little remembrance of well you made your bed you sleep in it that's so good it's funny I was you want to hear something really crazy so we were I was working with a church in South Carolina and there's this like big conference that went on in the nation. It was in Orlando, but this um a group of them went to this conference from that church. And then when we were down there, we were doing like a I don't remember what it was, like a we were just there for spring break. That's when I proposed to you. Look at that. Like <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you it was a hot shot that week. So, um yeah, you're still a hot shot. Um so we were down there, and, and um, they had just got back. So they were sharing testimonies from this this little conference. Um, and this one girl got up. I mean, it was so awesome, dude. She got up and shared this shared this testimony that they said, man, if you have anything in your body from what sin did to you, if you have any scars or marks or, or whatever the case may be, from, what, from mistakes that you've made or things that you've done to yourself, she had cutting scars. So I want you to raise your hand, prayed for it, and completely gone, all her scars washed, like she had brand new skin on her body. Like, that's crazy. She's up there telling testimony. She's like, I mean, you guys, like, you guys don't have to believe me. I don't really care. Like, I mean, she knew she cut herself. And she's like, she's like, that's just not who I am anymore. And Jesus makes all things new, right? Let the redeemed sing. Redeemed mean brought back to original value. Brought back to origin, original value. That's what Jesus does. That's powerful. And you can say whatever you want to say about that, but it doesn't really matter to me. That's, that's crazy to me. Because, so she can, think about this, so she can live her whole life loving Jesus, going after Jesus, man, I want everything God has for me, man, I love, I love him, I gave him everything, and every day she sings, she's going to raise her hand, and she's going to see where she used to be and who she used to be, right? She's always going to have a little remembrance of this is who I used to be, and this is where I used to, this, I wish I could change it, but I can't change it. That's powerful. That's amazing. So Jesus just said, hey, I, I don't even want you thinking about that. I want you to walk with me. I want you to see that you're new. I want you to see that you're clean. And I don't want, you, want to see that you're pure. That's powerful right there, y'all. Because that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things is if we don't, if we don't understand what, what Jesus has done through his blood washing you clean so that there's no stain, there's no sting. Jesus is coming back for a bride that has what? No no spot or wrinkle. What does that look like? No spot or wrinkle. Perfect, right? No, 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 a, a bride that, it's funny, Paul says, I'm, I, he goes, I, I'm, I don't know how he says, I'm jealous for you. I, I'm pretty sure he says I'm jealous for you. As, or, I can't, I can't quote it, but it says, I'm, I want to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, one that's never been with anybody else. Right? Jesus, what God wants us to do is through the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants to set you apart, sanctify you. He wants to set you apart as if sin never happened to you so that when Jesus comes, again, he will, he's going to receive a bride that does not have no spot, no wrinkle, a chaste virgin to Christ that's never been with anyone else, that's never been with the world before, that has no remembrance, no stain, no sting, no, nothing of what sin had done to you in your body. Righteousness in the blood of Jesus washes that clean so that you can be with him. Man, that's so, so, so sweet. That's what he's coming for, right? I'm, I'm sharing scripture. If you guys can look it up. I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember the references. He wants, you, he wants you to have, he wants you to, and it's not, it's not that you don't have remembrances or flashbacks of the past, but you realize that that's just not who you are. Because of what, what the gospel's done, you can sit with an understanding of, man, even if I have something that goes through my head, man, my heart is so pure and so clean. It doesn't matter if I have a, if I have a flip card go through of everything that I've ever done, man, I'm washed clean before Jesus. That's righteousness. That's what the blood of Jesus has done for you. That's powerful. Right? It's not you striving to do it. It's not you working to do it. It's not you doing spiritual activities so that you become right. It's you believing in Jesus and abiding in his word and letting the power of the Holy Spirit literally prune everything that's not of Jesus, not of him, out of your life. So now that when you stand before him one day, you'll have boldness because you realize that as he is, so am I in this world. He's perfect, I'm perfect. He's righteous, I'm righteous. He's loved, I'm loved. 
How do, how do you have boldness in day of judgment if you, if you still believe that you still have all these other things in your life? You never will. You'll never have boldness. It's crazy because it, it'll get us into a place of, and that's why it says that he who has been, or look at it, Hebrews chapter 10, we'll just read it. Does that make sense? That's amazing. That, like, that's amazing to me what Jesus has done. That gives you, that gives you such confidence and such boldness to enjoy him. It gives you such confidence and boldness to enjoy him. Because the kingdom, Romans says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. We get to enjoy peace and joy with the Lord, with, with righteousness that pretty much makes it all possible. We get to enjoy Jesus. But a lot of times we, we feel like our Christian walk is not joyful. And it's definitely not peaceful. That means that you're doing it outside of grace. That means that you're living outside of who he created you to be because you're striving and you're not living in peace and you're not living in joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Well, let's look at um, chapter 9, verse 26. We'll start. It says, he then, Jesus, would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So by Jesus' sacrifice, him hanging on a tree, we celebrated it last week, he put away sin. And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, right? All of us. He bore all of our sins. So that those who eagerly wait for him, that's us, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. See, Jesus is not showing up to judge you for your sin. He's not going to come. He's not going to split the sky one day and come and show you how bad you messed up and show you where you're at. He's coming for salvation. He's coming to, to, to actually bring, to, to make all things new. Everything that sin had done to the world, he's coming to change everything. He's coming to restore it all back and now you're going to be his bride and it's for salvation. That's why you wait eagerly. He's, that's why it's called the, the second coming of Jesus is called the blessed hope. He's the blessed hope because you're like, man, he's coming one day and he's not going to come to judge me, but he's coming to save me again. Save, he's coming to save me from this corrupt world. He's already saved my spirit. He's already made me new and made me righteous. Now he's coming to make all things right, right? Wipe away every tear. He's coming for salvation for me. That's why, when, that's why on the day of judgment, you should have boldness because he's coming to show you, that, to bring everything back to where it's supposed to be in the garden. New heavens, new earth. That's good. So look at, keep going. So verse one of chapter 10, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, Make those who approach perfect. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers, that's us, once purified, would have no more consciousness of sins. See, what Jesus wants us to do is through the sacrifice of himself, he wants us to have no consciousness of sins. What's your consciousness? Yeah, you're thinking, right? You're thinking cap, is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, you're thinking cap, right? We all put our thinking caps on. So that's why, okay, so this is, let, let, let's just make it practical, right? You come, yes. What is the sacrifice for the law? Sacrifice for the law? For the law? So that's basically what he's saying is the Old Testament sacrifices in the, with Israel, right? He, he's going to kill a lamb. We sing the lamb was slain. The Jews still do it every year. They kill a lamb every year for the sins of all of Israel, the people of God. And all it does is just cover the sins. It does not take them away. Right? There's a lamb. They go into the, to the sanctuary or the, um, what's it called? The temple, right? I don't know why I couldn't think of that. The temple. And they kill a lamb, put the, and the blood of that lamb covers the sins of the nation of Israel for that year. And then the next year they have to do it again. And then the next year they have to do it again. 
right? So he, what he's saying is every year, every year, there's a consciousness of, okay, we blew it this year. This is where we've failed. This is where we haven't done right. Now we're going into sacrifice for our sins. So what, what, what is that? Oh man, this is so good. So what is that doing every year? It's creating a consciousness of here I am as a failure. Here I am a, as the mistakes that I've made. And it's bringing to your consciousness, your mind, your thinking cap, right? It's bringing to your thinking cap, here's my failures and my mistakes. And here's the sacrifice to pay for that same mistake and failure. You see, what Jesus did is by his one sacrifice, he made you perfect. That's what the scripture says. So his one sacrifice, when he hung on the tree, he paid for your sins once and for all. Keep reading. Once and for all. So that means that every, there's not every year you don't have to come and do something. That means every morning you don't have to come and do something. That means every night that when you lay down, you don't have to do all these things to pay for sin. You realize, man, Jesus paid for my sin and he made me perfect, made me righteous because of the one sacrifice. That's powerful. So, that, so what, this is what he wanted. Does that answer your question? Simon's just stoking the fire. <clears throat> so that means that those who approach, verse two or one, at the end of verse one, those who approach perfect. So that when, we, you, when you come to God, like I said, you're gonna walk in the door and the first thing that you're going to do, you're going to start worshiping. If we're just honest, a lot of people live like this. Is You'll start thinking of, okay, here's where I haven't lived up. Here's where I failed. Or here's how I, maybe I've done whatever. Read my Bible this much or this much or prayed or blah, blah, blah. And you're doing all, I haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe I haven't come here in a long time. Maybe I haven't, whatever the case may be. What you're doing is you're putting up a remembrance and a consciousness of sin. Right or wrong. Whether you, whether you spent, you're like, if you come in here and you're thinking, okay, well, I've spent, yesterday I, I prayed and read my Bible all day long. So now you come in here and you're, your mind is still set on sin, right and wrong. Your mind is still a consciousness of sin. So you're standing before God on your own good deeds and your own, um, ultimately your own righteousness is what it is. It's called self-righteousness. You're standing here and you're saying, man, I, I, because of what I've done, now I can worship you. And then if you didn't live up to it, let's say you had a busy week like me, and you didn't have a, a lot of time to do a lot of things. You can stand, that's what I'm standing in worship thinking. I'm like, man, Lord, I feel like I've just been crazy busy. Like me and Tay, look at that. That's why we can't have nice things. <clears throat> me and Tay moved into her house. So it was like all this stuff. I'm like, I feel like I've just been running. Went to Ikea twice. <laughs> two days in a row. Two days in a row. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible. Ikea is, I love Ikea, but it's just after a while, it's like, yeah, after two days, it's like, forget this place. <laughs> you know what I mean? But we went in, like, Ikea has this little 50% section at the end. Tayo was like, so we went in, we knew what we were going to get. I went in the warehouse, got my stuff. Well, then I had, like, plenty of time waiting for Tayo to pick out pillows, which took three hours. <laughs> but, like, I'm sitting there, like, I'm sitting there waiting, and I, like, go in, and I'm like, well, I got fi it's 50% off this room. So I'm like, I'm nitpicking them. I'm, like, going through. She, she comes in. She, I had, like, a whole pile of stuff. I'm like, 30 bucks, 20 bucks. I was like, that's all it's worth. Really? Probably not even that. No, it's not. I was like, this lamp right here is like w maybe worth five. They probably built it for three. It's probably worth five. And they're selling it for 65. You know what I mean? And the lights don't even match. Like the light, you have to buy their lights, which is stupid <laughs> to me. But so that's where I was at. So I'm in there just going through everything. Taya's like, wow, look at I'm like rug, little throw pillow that we had, like $1 throw pillow. So I was, that was the cool part. And we got a crappy hot dog and piece of crap pizza and anyways <laughs> I, don't, I like Ikea though I like their style um so you're so you so you're living like okay you're so you're busy that's how I got on that so you're busy and you're stri you're doing all these things right and you feel like okay well now you come in you're like all right I'm gonna surely if if you're coming in just to worship and spend time with other believers and encourage each other but surely if you get a microphone and you're going to preach, you're like, man, I, I definitely haven't whatever done this or that and this and that. What you're doing is you're having a consciousness of sin and you're not living with, with boldness. You understand when you wake up, I remember the Lord told me, he's like, Dylan, when, I, when you wake up in the morning, he goes, when your eyes open, I'm pleased with you in the morning. Right? You're pleasing to God because of faith in Jesus. That's it. It's not because of what you do. And out of that place of sonship or daughtership, that's where you walk in it, right? 
that's be out of that place of, wow, he's done so much for me. Now I can actually, I'm empowered to do what I'm supposed to do. Because a lot of us, like, I saw a picture of us, like, we literally feel like we're running on treadmills. We're not getting anywhere. It's called dead works. We're doing dead works for Jesus, which has no life in them. It might be spiritual activity. It might be ministry. It might be serving. It might be Bible reading, prayer, whatever the case. All these things that are good things. But if we're doing them from the wrong perspective, if we're doing them from the wrong place of motivation, if we're doing them from the wrong heart posture, then they're dead works. They have no fruit in them. Right? Jesus wants us to understand and from that place of, of rest, because righteousness produces rest. You cannot rest without righteousness. Right? We should put that on our coffee mug. In the morning, we cannot rest without righteousness. Because you cannot live from, he wants us to live from a place of rest. He wants us to live from that place. Man, I don't want to get, but Adam, right? He created Adam six days. We all know that story. Or he created the world, Adam, the sixth day. Seventh day, he rested. That was Adam's first day. That's all Adam knew. He didn't know work. He knew rest. And then from that place, he did a lot of things. Adam named all the animals. He did everything. But from, he wanted us to live from a place of, son, everything has been taken care of. You're my son, and we're resting today. And now, that was the first day of the week. The Sabbath is the first day of the week in Jewish culture. Jesus rose on the first day of the, or I guess the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the last day of the week. But then from that place, Jesus rose on the first day of the week. But from that place of rest, we go into the first day of the week. We go from the place of rest, we walk into it, but we, we bust our butt all week long to try to make it to Saturday or Sunday where we can rest. And that's why we're burned out. <clears throat> right, a lot of, uh, like in my own personal life, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I've lived from a place of like just resting, like my resting state was, hey, are, like, how are you doing? Well, I'm probably not doing good enough. Like, I don't know where, probably can't figure it out, don't know, but I'm probably missing it somewhere. I'm probably not doing good enough, and I probably am not living up to God's standard in some area. I can't figure out where it is. If you give me some time, I could probably find it. But right now, right off the flip, I could probably tell you that I'm not doing, like, I'm probably not measuring up. And maybe I'm the only one that's lived like that. So you, you sit in that place and you're like, every, every single day you're striving and striving and striving, not realizing that you're literally, you're, you're right with God because of your faith in Jesus. And then if you, live, if you lived in that place, man, you would just rest and do a lot of things for Jesus. You'd do a lot of things for God. You'd probably turn the world upside down. But we, we feel like we're, and we're super introspective, which is wrong. That's what, that's what the a consciousness of sin is doing to us, is you're introspective and you're judging yourself on where you're, where you're measuring up and where you're not measuring up, where you're failing and where you're succeeding. And then you're only as good as how you're doing, right? So then you come, in, you come into church or you see one of your fellow believers or you see a friend of yours and they want to get coffee with you and you're like, I don't, I don't even want to go get coffee with somebody that loves me and wants to enjoy fellowship with me because I'm not doing good enough or I've messed up or failed in an area. Am I speaking anyone's language? Yeah. Guys, we, we, we need to be a people of, of rest and peace in the presence of the Lord, like I shared. That's why God shared that, and that's, I didn't even plan on preaching on this. Is, is we, we have to live from a place of, he wants us to believe that we are once purified, right here, verse 2. We are once purified. We would have no more consciousness of sins. See, what Jesus wants us to do is he wants us, oh, this is so good. He wants us to wake up and not be a sinner anymore. He wants you to wake up and just be a son or a daughter. If you wake up and you're, you're still a sinner, but you're saved by grace, then you're just sin waiting to happen. And a lot of us believe we're sin waiting to happen. Your heart has been purified. You've been made the righteousness of God. If you wake up and believe that you're right with God, then you'll walk out righteousness. Romans chapter 6 says holiness is a fruit of righteousness. That's not my script. That's not my message. If you want to live holy for Jesus, if you want to do things for Jesus, you need to live in a state of righteousness. You need to wake up with a consciousness of righteousness. You need to wake up and man, I'm a son. You literally, this is crazy to people. You shouldn't think about sin. You shouldn't think, you should not think, okay, like 
right now I'm doing good, but eventually I'm probably going to mess up and fail. You, should not li- you shouldn't live like that. You haven't let the blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience from dead works. Does that make sense? Because if you wake up and you're, just a, you're still a sinner, you're still the person that you used to be, then you're just sin waiting to happen. And you're like, man, I, been, I might be doing good for these weeks, but there's going to come a place where I'm going to fail. And that's because you believe that you're still a bad tree and you're going to bear bad fruit. That's why Jesus says, if you make the tree good, the fruit will be good. If you make the tree good. So if you believe that your righteousness waiting to happen, if you believe that you're a slave of righteousness, Romans chapter 6, you'll produce your fruit. You're, you're bound in chains to do the will of righteousness. You're bound in chains. You have no choice because that's who you've been made, right? You're, you've been made the, a slave of righteousness so you can walk it out now. That's the gospel. It's, it's not that Simon worked really hard to do it, right? It's not that he went and, I don't know, what'd you do? <laughs> you did a lot of things. And then he never earned it. It's Jesus came in and made his heart pure because he believed in Jesus, right? It's not that he went to confession. <laughs> it's not that he went, it's not. It's not that he went to confession. It's not that he went and did all the right things and whatever. It's not, that, that's, I'm just saying that because Simon's background. But I'm just saying it, that's not why he did it. Right? That's not why you're right with God, because you put faith in Jesus. What does that do in his heart? He doesn't have to do anything else. He's, he's put faith in Jesus. Man, I'm resting now. Like from this place, I've been made right because of what he's done. I'm at rest right now. I'm at rest. Now from that place, I can walk as a son of God. But I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do it. I don't have to strive for it. It's not all these things that I have to do. Right? We, we, look, we strive and everything else is a performance everywhere else. It shouldn't be like that with the Lord. We're trained in it very subtly, I believe. Right? You do good, nobody's going to praise you for it. You do bad, everyone's going to let you know. Right? Your kids do bad, you're going to let them know. If they do good, if they do everything right, you're just like, pr- pretty soon you might say something. But the first time, you're not like, if they do bad, you're boom, you're hitting it. If you do wrong or you do right, you're not going to be like, hey man, you killed it. Good job on the simple stuff, right? You put your dishes away. I've asked you to do it a hundred times. You did it once. You don't just go boom, praise them. We're trained in that. You might. <laughs> That's because you guys don't put them away. That's why. <laughs> You're shocked. You're like, wow, I don't know where you learned this, but <laughs> Holy Spirit taught it to you. Right? I mean, we lived our life like that. Taking tests and everyone's proven this is, this is my score and this is, where I, this is how I measure up. In the gospel, it's not like that. Remember the story Jesus talks about of, um, man, I don't know where it's at, but um, the field workers going out in the field and working. And he says he goes in the parable of the, of the vineyard workers and he says he goes out and gets these vineyard workers. He says, hey, I'll pay you, I'll pay you a denarii, one denarii. You come work for me. So he went out in the next hour or the, the ninth hour and the tenth, whatever. But he goes out all day long and he keeps pulling people and putting them in the field. He says, hey, go work for me. Go work for me. Go work for me. The very end, the last hour of the day, he goes and hires other people, pays them the same amount. At the end, he goes, all right, I want to pay the people that worked last, that only worked an hour, which I don't even know if they worked an hour. He went, I mean, if you went, if I went down to wherever I find workers, hired them, and it was an hour left of daylight. And I said, hey, go to my field. How long is it going to take you to get your boots on and get to the field and work? So you probably worked 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. They made the same money that the people that worked all day long. So then Jesus is saying the parable. And he says the, the, the vineyard worker, the owner of the field, says, I want to pay the, the people that worked last. I want to pay them first and let everyone else see. So he paid the people that worked last all the way to the people that worked all day long. And the people that worked all day long at the end were mad and, and wicked, right? And he says, why, like, these people only worked an hour. We braved the heat of the day, and they made the same money that we made. He says, why do you hate me because I'm good? Right? Isn't that what he says? Why do you hate me because I'm good? Is your eye evil? Jesus is saying it does not matter. We all work for the Lord. We all do things for the Lord, and we earn the same reward from him which is his love. He thinks the same about Lauren as he does about Andrew. Lauren could preach to millions. Andrew could do nothing for him. And he still loves Andrew the same that he loves Lauren. He could. Or they could, and he would love them the same. 
And it's funny because God wanted, Jesus is saying he wanted that, the, the owner really wanted the other people to see, the people that worked all that time for him to see that I paid the same people the same reward, which is righteousness by faith. If we, we, we receive and from that place we get to work for the Lord. But it's because he's good. Now I'm not saying that it's, our spirituality is just, you know, sit back and enjoy and never do anything. But if you, if you know that at the end of the day, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if you made all the money and did all the deals, you're still going to have a seat at the table because of your, your I don't even know what, family, because you're family, because you're born into the family, you're a son or daughter, you have a seat at the table, you're not a slave, you're a son, then you're going to work a lot better during the day than if you're a slave trying to measure up to get a seat at the table. Does that make sense? Guys, we have to understand this, this understanding of there's no consciousness of sins. And I'm not saying that, and here's the, here's the difference that people think is we think all of them, we never think about sin. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict you of your righteousness and to show you areas where you need to grow and change. He does not show up in Roman, or John chapter 14. He, Holy Spirit does not show up to convict you, or 16, I think it is, to convict you of your sin. He convicts you of your righteousness. Look at it, John chapter 16, because people don't believe me. Because people will say, well, how you, like, if you never talk about, or if you don't have a consciousness of sin, then what are we, how are we going to grow? How are we going to change? How are we going to, whatever. That's not my job to convict people of sin. It's not. Here's another thing. It's not your job to judge yourself. Paul says in, in Corinthians that I, I know nothing of myself, or I, and I, but I'm not judged by this. He who comes, is judge, he judges me. A lot of us, and I've, I was thinking about this, is I've lived a lot of my life like introspective. So I come to Jesus and I'm like, here's all the things that I've messed up and failed at. So here's, my, here's, here's what I need you to change me at. And then I've lived times where I'm just like, I'm just enjoying Jesus and I'm usually a lot more fruitful in those times than I am in my introspective times. But it comes from a place of, it comes from a good heart because I want I want to change. My heart actually wants the Lord. So if I see things in my life, I don't want that. The problem is, is when you get into that place and you spend time with Jesus, you spend time with, in his word, you spend time with other believers, all you talk about is all the th things that you think you should change. You're not, you're not the one that prunes you. Your, your job is to stay connected to the vine. We're going to read that probably at the end. But your job is to stay connected to the, to the vine and let the word shape you. I remember this one pastor, he says it perfectly. He's like, I, waste so much, I wasted so much of my time being introspective and judging myself. He's like, I just told the Lord one day, I said, Father, I'm in your word every day. I'm with your people all the time. He's like, I'm in your presence all the time. He's like, let that presence burn anything out of me that's not of you. Let your word cut me and I will receive it. He goes, and let somebody that, if I'm missing it completely, let one of your, let one of your people come up and slap me in the face and I will change. He's like, because I want you, but I'm done judging myself and looking at myself because it's not producing any fruit. That's, that's freedom right there. If the problem, the reason that we really do that is we really don't trust the Holy Spirit. If we have a lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit's job as in, in a believer's life, the result is legalism. If I don't trust the Holy Spirit to change Adria, then I'm going to have to change her. So I'm going to preach on here's where you need to change and here's the things that you need to do if I don't trust the Holy Spirit to do it. Right? A lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit produces legalism, produces here's what you need to do, here's the right and wrong, and usually you use fear to do it. Look at John chapter 16. It says, um, verse, verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. The helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. 
he will con- of sin, verse 9, he will convict the world of sin because they don't believe in me. That's sweet. It's not, it's not my, uh, my job is to preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict people that they don't believe in it. That's the sin that will send you to hell. It's actually the only sin that will send you to hell is not believing in Jesus. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts you of, your, of, of sin if you don't believe in Jesus. If you, don't, if you haven't put your faith and your trust in Jesus as you, for your right standing with God, that's the sin. That, that's the only sin that will separate you from him because that's the only sacrifice to be close to him. Right? Man, that's so good, y'all. That, that sets you free. Like, he's not going to come to Lauren and say, if Lauren doesn't believe in Jesus, has never made a decision for Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and say, Lauren, you really shouldn't be, what do you want to do? You sh- really shouldn't be lying. If she does not have faith in Jesus, if she hasn't been born again and changed, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and convict the world, the people that don't believe. He's not going to convict the world of, hey, you shouldn't be lying because if she stops lying, she's still going to hell. Because she does not believe. Man, that set me free when the first time I heard that. Right? He doesn't come and say, the people, out, the people that don't believe in Jesus, he doesn't say, hey, you need to change this one thing. These are the sins that the, that the Holy Spirit needs to convict you of. No, they need to believe. <laughs> they need to put faith in Jesus and they need to be changed so that the Holy Spirit can transform their heart. Does that make sense? Right. He convicts you of sin that, so that you know that you need a Savior. Maybe some of your translations say that. Oh, that's just, that's the Lauren translation. Never mind. Right? He convicts you of sin. You're like, there's one sin, not sins. Look, sin right there. One, one word, sin. He convicts you of sin because you don't believe in him. Then from that place, look, it says, he will convict the world, or the, verse 10, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. So how does he convict you of righteousness? He's sitting at the right hand of the father interceding on your behalf and the blood is speaking better things. So what does he do? He comes and says, now Lauren's born again. She's changed. Say, Lauren, you don't have to lie. Like you have the giver of truth on the inside of you. Like this is what you're called to. Like I said, if you, have, if you, if you failed and did things in your previous life, now you're born again, she doesn't want to sin anymore. She doesn't want to lie anymore. Has anyone experienced that? but you have no grace to do it because if you try to do it in your own strength, you will not have the, the power of the Holy Spirit convicting you and changing you. It's so sweet, so, so sweet. So he comes and now because you've believed, now he's convicting you of right standing with God because of what you've become. He's convicting you of your right standing, your righteousness. That's his job. So now let's say Lauren steps off into something and she's failing or she does something completely off the rails. What's the Holy Spirit's job going to do? He's going to go convict that woman of her righteousness. Say, you need to come back. That's not who you are. She might go back to where she used to be. He's going to come and say, hey, that's not you, sweetheart. Right? You have a, 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 somebody that believed in Jesus. You have somebody that was going after Jesus, whatever, and now they're not following him. You need to, be, you need to pray that the Holy Spirit goes and convicts them of their righteousness. You need to convict them of their right standing with God and bring them back. He needs to convict them in their heart of who they really are. Right? Jesus is going looking for sheep. They're not, just because they walked off into the wilderness does not mean they're not sheep anymore. He's going to pull them, put them on his shoulders, bring them back because of righteousness. Is that making sense, y'all? So now if you have something in your life that's not right, he's not going to come and say, hey, you're an idiot. Why are you doing this? He's going to come and show you what you're called to in righteousness, usually in the person of Jesus. You'll see it in Jesus' life. You'll say, man, that's what I'm called to and I'm not walking in it. He's, he's the example of what righteousness looks like. That's why if you have something in your life that you're thinking, believing, talking, walking in, acting, that you can't find in the person in the life of Jesus, then you ought to throw it out. You ought to just be real with it, man. That's just not who I am and that's not what I'm called to because righteousness is the person of Jesus and this is where I'm living and it doesn't line up with his life. And this is who I'm created after. Right? Your new man was created according to the image of him who created him. Is that making sense? I don't normally teach like this, but it's, really good and then of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged right Jesus Holy Spirit shows up to, to show you that the the devil is judged and doomed and damned forever but here's the thing he wants you to think that same way 
The devil wants you to think like that. He wants to put his thoughts and his mentality in your life and make you feel like you're judged and damned forever. That's what he wants you to think. Constant fear. The devil lives in constant fear. Today, the, bl- the trumpet could blow and, that de- and the devil is going to spend eternity in hell. That's what he lives like. He's a loser. We have to understand that, y'all. <clears throat> so look at John chapter 15. Any thoughts on that? Any questions on that? Do you see how? Do you see how? Do you see how? Um, having no more consciousness of sin does not. It doesn't. It doesn't say that you'll never. You don't ever address sin in your life. It's that you come from a different perspective on it, because you've been made righteous. So that when Holy Spirit comes, He's going to show you something that's not of Him. It's not to judge you or condemn you. It's saying, man, this is who you were created for. This is not what you're called to. And it's the Holy Spirit's job in my life. It's not me saying, hey, here's what I'm, all the things that I'm wrong. Maybe I see something and I'm like, like Josh came up to me and was like, hey man, I see this in your life. Like, cause I, I'm asking Holy, I'm asking the Lord to show me through friends. I'm asking the Lord to show me through his word. I see something. I'm like, and now conviction comes because I'm like, that's not who I'm called to. That's not what I'm called to. Not condemnation, conviction. The difference between condemnation and conviction, condemnation, being condemned, which is, I always talk about it, being condemned, there is nowhere for you to go. You're just condemned. Conviction always gives you an, always, it always empowers you to change and shows you where you're called to go. So if you hear something that's, that's, that's judging your life, let's say there's something, like let's say you just have thoughts going through your head and there is no hope for you, that's condemnation, it's not the Lord. If they say, hey, this is who you are, this is where you're at, this is what you're doing, and there's like you're doomed and, and you have no hope, that's not the Lord. That's condemning. That's the devil. The Lord will come and he'll never say, hey, here's Lauren, you're a liar, and you've been lying from the beginning. <laughs> you're of your father, the devil. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But he's not going to come and say, Lauren, you're a liar, and then not say, you're called to live in truth. Now let's walk it out, and here's the grace to do it. He's not just going to say, hey, you're a liar walk away. It's not going to leave you in that place, right? Man, this is freedom if you guys can get this. If you see, if you're hearing something in your heart, if you're believing something about you that has no, you have no ability, no, no, um, no foresight to go forward, no hope to go forward, and you, this is just who you are and you can't change it, that's not the Lord. If you have something in your life that you believe that you cannot change, that this is just who you are, that's not the Lord. That's a, that's a deception. Conviction always transforms you into who you're called to be. Conviction always calls you up higher. So when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit comes and convicts Lauren, he's always calling her to where she's called to be. Does that make sense? So that's not that she doesn't ever have, she doesn't ever address sin in her life. It's that when she comes, there's conviction that, man, this is what I want. This is where I'm called to. This is what I want to grow in, but I, I can't do it in my own strength. I need your help and I need your grace to do it. Right? Does that make sense? So look at John chapter 15. Verse 1, it says, Jesus is speaking. He's saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or he prunes, my Bible says. And every branch that bears fruit, or not take prunes, lifts up. Does some, you guys have a translation in verse 2 say lift up? Other, anybody? Prune? At the beginning. What's it say at the beginning? Takes. All right. Does it have a little footnote to it? Look at the footnote. What's it say? Lifts up. All right. That's why no one's, that's why no one's just, no one's doomed. If you're not bearing fruit, you're not just, oh, well, you're doomed. If you have a branch, what are you going to do? If, 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 you have a, if you have an apple tree that's not bearing fruit, what are you going to do? Cut it down. <laughs> right? If you planted an apple tree and went through all the, what are you going to do? You're going to tie some junk up, right? You lift them branches off the ground. Try to get some fruit on those trees, right? Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. <clears throat> he says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me 
and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we cannot bear fruit unless we abide in Jesus. You can't. Keep reading. I am the vine, Jesus is saying. You are the branches. So we are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. But we think we can do a lot of things apart from him. You cannot do anything. You can do nothing, nothing. Absolutely nothing. You are absolutely, if you cut a tree, if you cut a branch off a tree and lay it on the ground, it can do nothing. It cannot bear any fruit. That's why he gave you that picture. If you cut a, if you cut a branch off a tree and, hang, and lay it on the ground, it will not produce apples that year. But we think that we can all the time apart from him. Or we think that even any fruit that we see is in our own strength. Are you guys getting this? We think that like we're striving to, to, to produce fruit and it's not giving, it, we're not seeing any fruit and we're wondering why we're doing it. Or we're looking at our branches and we're saying, hey, we're trying to prune and trim ourselves when we're not the vine dresser. These are in red. These words are in red. So we're trying to change things, self-effort, willpower. When the vine dresser is the father, our job is to stay connected to the vine and let him trim us and change us and prune us and grow us. Because we don't know what we're supposed to be. We don't know what we're supposed to look like. And if we have fruit, we let him trim us and grow us and, and prune us. Is that making sense? So do you see that if there's something in your life, let's say you're like, oh, there's some bad fruit in my life. What do you do? Right? Let him prune it. You come to him and let him prune it. This is what it looks like in your life. So you have something that, I'm trying to think of something recently. Okay, here's a good one. Um, So like during, so there's this one time I was, or whatever, this was like recently, but I was preaching, preached good and felt good, whatever. Like, I don't even know what that means. It feels good, but like it, like it was good. The next Sunday, I'm like, man, Lord, I I felt like I was like striving and struggling and just striving, like really just striving. And I'm like, I felt like I couldn't get across what I wanted to get across. And I'm like, which I, I don't like, obviously you can tell I don't preach like that. Like I don't strive for this. This is just gifting. This is just like, this is just gifting. You understand that? Like I'm not, you have to understand that this is a gift that God has given me to equip the body. That's the only reason that I can preach this well. It's gifting. Like I wish you guys could feel what this feels like because it's really not, I don't know what I'm, like I have no idea what I'm going to say next, but it's just gifting. You understand? It's not, it's not because I'm, it's not because I'm a super duper. It's just because I'm gifted in this area. I'm just graced in this area. I have a gift in this area. We have to understand that God gives us gifts in every area and we're all gifted in an area to grow, to, to walk in this, to walk in a grace, to bless the body. We all have a gift like that and it's effortless because it's a gift. Nobody's, if I gave Steve something, he's not going to, Steve's not going to be like, look at this. Look what I got. Like, look, look, well, look what I did. Like I knit Steve a little sweater. Okay. He's not going to be like, yeah, this is me. Like I did this. And he's just, he's wearing this sweater. And everyone's like, man, dude, I didn't know you knitted. I don't, but like I did this one and this one's sweet. It's like, no, I knit it for him and gave it to him. It's a gift. He's not going to take credit for a gift. Right. So when I'm sharing, like it's a gift, it's gifting. It's not that, it's not that I'm a, like a super Christian and wow, I have a microphone and now I can preach because I'm amazing. No, I just believe and I received a gift and now I'm imparting it to you so that you can walk in the same truth. Does that make sense? That's why you're like, wow, that was really good. I, it, like it's really just gifting. It's just gifting. That's why we should not be impressed with gifting. We should be impressed with intimacy with Jesus and love for people. That's what we should be impressed with. Because I could, it does not, I could be up here preaching the, the most amazing sermon in the world, but if I don't love people, that's where you should be like, that's, that's not right. Don't care how good of a preacher you are. Right? Don't put people on pedestals because of gifting. 
if I can sit here and prophesy and, and just read Lauren's mail and read Andrew's mail and just be like, boom, 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 that's not impressive to me. But if you know Jesus and love people, that's impressive to me. That means, because that means that you've taken the time to really grow in him. Gifting is not impressive to me. <clears throat> okay, so I, was, so I was preaching and I'm like, I'm struggling and striving. I'm like, Lord, I go home and I'm like, Lord, like, I feel like last week was like super easy. And this week I was like striving. He says, Dylan, last week you were more aware of me than you were of anything else. This week you were more aware of the people in the room than you were of me. That's, that's hard. It's not hard, but it's really sweet that he said that to me. I was like, you're right. Cause I had let, like, I just let pe some people that I believe probably didn't really agree with the way that I did things affect the, who I am in him. Right? So I lost sight of who I am in him. I lost sight of who I am in him. Who, who like, I don't give a, I don't give a crap what you think really. If I know who I am, like I don't. I, I really don't care if I know who I am. But if I lose sight of who I am, then I really do care about what you think. Does that make sense? So you see how he came, and I'm like, man, Lord. So now in that moment, I'm not like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm a man pleaser. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not like, I'm just like, you know, I'm, that's not, because I'm not, I'm not doomed in that place. The reason he spoke it to me is he wants to change it. Right? Oh, this is so good, too. So when he shares something with you, the reason that he's sharing it with you is that he wants, to, he wants to prune it out of your life. So in that place, if you hear something, if you see something, if you see something in the word that you're not walking in and in that moment you see it, that means every bit of grace available to you is there in that moment to change your life, to change that in, in you. He doesn't just bring it to the surface to shame you and say where well, you're not, right? He brings it up to, sh to show you that that's not who you are and get it out of your life. So like in that moment, you're like, man, God's really been convicting me on whatever, swearing, I don't know. Like, and you're like, man, I, I don't want to walk in this. If he's showing that to you, if he's convicting you on it, that means the grace right now is there for you to change. So all you have to do is what? Accept it, yield to it, abide in him, let him prune you and change you. So what did I do? I'm like, Father, I see that I let this happen. Like I see that I lost sight of you. I was like, Father, I don't ever want to live in that place ever again. So I'm like, Lord, I see it for what it is. Like it's ultimately sin is what it is. I was like, I don't want to live in that place ever again. I said, in Jesus name, I can't, I, I don't, I can't change it. I was like, I need to see who I am and I need you to change that and prune that out of my life. I don't want it ever again. So I'm, when y'all aren't there, right? Nobody, nobody's there. I'm not doing this for Lauren. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm just doing it for me and him. Cause I know that he's changing my life right now. So I'm like, Father, I like, because I'm abiding in him, he's showing me this. So I'm like, Father, prune this junk off my life. I don't want it anymore. It was crazy because like since that time, I just see it and it's like, it doesn't matter who comes in the room. It doesn't matter who, like, I don't care if you're the president. I don't, like, I don't care if you, because I'm like, Gee, I, what I started to see was like, Jesus is preaching to people and every, like the people in the back row are trying to kill him for what he's about to say. Like everything he's saying, everybody in the back row is like, we're just waiting for you to mess it up, to say one thing wrong and we're going to kill you for it. And he never says anything wrong and they're still, and what he's saying is perfect truth. And they're still trying to kill him for it because, they, because of what in their mind, it's evil. In their mind, it's wrong and they kill him because he's the son of God, but he is really the son of God. They're like, we're killing you because you said that you're the son of God. Jesus never changes every day. He, he knows that that's what they're, he knows their thoughts that that's what they're thinking. And he loves the people the same. That's insane. That's insane to me. I want that in my life, right? Jairus comes, he's a ruler of the synagogue and says, my daughter's sick. Jesus does not say, well, you've been talking crap about me for months. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's one of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's a Pharisee. He's a ruler of the synagogue. And he's saying, of course I'll come, boom. Just because he gets in a crisis, now he's like, man, my daughter's sick. I don't care who this dude is. I need her, I need her to be well. That's, that's my king. That's what I want to live like. So because of that thing that he showed me, now in that place, I can let him prune me and grow me and change me. So now in the long run, people are like, man, you're really bold no matter what people say, no matter what people think. Like you share truth and doesn't let, you don't let what anyone else thinks affect you. 
I'm like, yeah, I did at one point. I said, but he's done such a work in my heart that I can't take credit for the fruit that's on my tree. Does that, does that make sense? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what it means to abide. That takes away striving in your life. That takes away effort. It takes away dead works because you're resting in who he is. I'm already connected to the vine. I've been made right because of the blood of Jesus. And if there's something that's wrong, he'll tell me and show me. That's why it's so important to believe that we can hear God's voice. That's why it's so important. And because we can hear his voice, he's going to prune and change and grow. And there might be things down the road that I have no idea about. When I first got saved, I didn't know I was going to be preaching. So I would, he wouldn't have been like, hey, you're going to, there's somebody that's going to come in the room that's going to affect the way that you preach. I'm like, I don't preach. So I wouldn't think that. But down the road, he spoke it to me because I'm in it now, right? That's why it's a lifelong walk with Jesus. It's not just, it's not just boom, now I'm, I'm good. I don't need anything else. Because there's going to be things that you're going to walk in that you need grace in. And if you don't go to his voice to let him prune you, then you'll be a burned out striving Christian with no fruit. And that's just the truth. With no joy and no peace, no righteousness. But you'll have righteousness, you just won't understand it. Right? You guys want to come up? <clears throat> so God, look, guys, look at this. God, look at this. God, would you look at this? I'm just kidding. Um, verse 6, so if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire, right? If you don't have life of Jesus in you, that's what, that, you're not connected to the vine. If you abide in me, verse 7, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A disciple of Jesus bears fruit because of the word and the abiding life that's in him. Right? We abide in Jesus and he abides in us. And in that, what does an abide, what does abiding look like? Look it up, Gannon. Go ahead. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Look it up. You already looked it up? What's it mean? living in dwelling in right if you're abiding in a house you're dwelling in that place you, you that's that's where you live that's where you abide that's where you dwell that's where you grow that's where you change that's where you do life that's where you do everything is in this little place that's in jesus in him so when you put your faith in jesus you believe in him he puts you in him and then he puts him in you and you're one with him right the mystery of the gospel is revealed what's it what is it christ in you the hope of glory right so by you bearing fruit your father is glorified because of the life that's in you man this is so good you are in jesus and in him and he's in you and because of that you're bearing fruit not because of your effort not because of your praying not because of your bible reading your bible study anything like that you're abiding in him doesn't mean you don't do any of that stuff but that's a fruit of your abiding in him Right, look at this, and this is what we'll close with. Verse 9, it says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. So those are the two things. He says, If you keep my commandments, you will, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that, you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Right, we're called to everlasting joy. We're called to be the people of joy because of who we're abiding in. We are called to live in a place of joy. If you're not nitpicking and fault finding and, and, and self-conscious and sin conscious, you will live in joy. That's, that, let's just face it. If you live in a place where you're just like, man, I'm right with him. My sins have been paid for. I've been made right. And I, that means that I can walk in righteousness no matter what because I've been made right. And now if I get off in an area, he's going to tell me. All I have to do is abide in his love and abide in his word. So if I, I abide in fellowship with Jesus and talking to him and sharing with him and living with him, letting his word sharpen me or prune me, let his word, his word sharpen, let it cut me. I'll just read sometimes and I'm just like, holy cow, I don't 
I did that totally wrong. Like, and because of his word, like this Bible is final authority. And I don't know if I say it enough here. Like I believe, like I quote a lot of scripture and I wish I read more, but I don't have a lot of time. So I just quote a lot of scripture, but this Bible is final authority. And if you don't build your life on this one, on his words, like he says in Matthew seven, you, your house will fall. So if you feel something or you hear something that you don't agree with me on, then just come talk to me. Don't get offended and take off because I believe this word and one of us is going to be wrong or maybe both of us will be wrong and he'll be right and we'll see it. But that's why it's, it's humility to say, man, Father, I don't know what you're, what you're going to say, but whatever this says is right. And the answer is yes. So let it cut me, let it prune me. So if I see, this Bible has an, an answer to every question of all time forever. doesn't matter what it is. It's in this Bible. It's in the word and the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. If I ever have a question about anything, I don't care what it is, socially, economically, politically, relationally, it doesn't matter. I have the answer in this Bible for it and I will find it. And I'll just pray and I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray until I find it. And when I find it, it's done deal because it's in the word. You have to live your life like that. If you don't value this word, we, we, we just really can't go very far. Because ultimately we'll let feelings or emotions or our, this is what I think or my opinion dictate the truth of God's word. He's, he's elevated his word above his name. That's pretty crazy. So now because of that, I abide in his love and I abide in his word. And now I'm right with you and you love me and your word will shape my life. So all I have to do is I have to put myself in a place of abiding and let him prune me. I have to have sincerity in my heart. I believe sincerity or sincerity in your heart really produces conviction when you live. If you're sincere and you really want to know Jesus and you really want to know truth, it'll produce a conviction in your heart and you'll live like conviction. You'll live your conviction out because you're sincere. So put yourself in a place of abiding in him and let him prune you. But let's get off the treadmill of, of spiritual gymnastics that don't produce any fruit and let's abide in him and let him change our life. Right, so let's say I have an issue in my life. What am I gonna do? I know where I'm gonna go, right? I'm gonna take that Bible. I'm gonna go in my room. That's all I gotta do. I don't have to strive. I don't have to struggle. I don't have to do anything else. I just have to get with him and let him change my heart. Does that make sense? I know I was all over the place, but that's where it's, it's an understanding of righteousness that produces us. It, it erases sin consciousness because of the blood. And now if there's something that's wrong, I'm going to bring it up. I don't want sin in my life because I've been, I have the fear of the Lord. I hate sin. I want what he wants. And now I can walk in holiness because he's convicting me of the truth by his Holy Spirit and by his word. And because I'm abiding in that place of love. It's the key, y'all. What if we just took Jesus up on his word that if you ask, you'll receive. If you seek, you will find. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you seek, you will find. If you ask, you will receive. And if you knock, the door will be open to you. It'd do us good to just believe the words in red. Let me pray for you guys as we close, okay? You guys can stand, okay? We're going to sing a couple more songs as we close. <clears throat> what? I'll pray for you in a minute. What I felt was when Adria was sharing, we're going to, she'll be in the back and then me and Taylor will be in the back also. But if you have something, like she said, in your body that is a result of poor decisions or actions or whatever the case may be and you want prayer for it, we want to drive that thing out by the love of God. Okay. If you don't, if you've never accepted Jesus and believed in Him and been born again and changed and been made right because of your faith in Jesus, not because of your works, and you want to receive Jesus and receive the refreshing that comes when your sins are forgiven, then we want to be back here and we'll pray with you. Okay. We just just slip out and we'll pray with you. Please, please, please don't leave if that's you. Please. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's good. Redeemed humanity was what Jesus looked like. So let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you that these words 
God, are empowering us to, to walk in this thing. That these words, Father, that you are planting deep in our hearts, Father, will produce a, a harvest in our life. So, Lord, we're just thankful for the love that you have for us. We're thankful for your, your, the power of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Helper. Lord, help us to walk in that truth. Help us to see that truth and help us to yield to that in every area of our lives. And Father, I just pray that you just put a, a longing in our hearts for more of you. I pray that you just draw people's hearts into, a, into the secret place with you to where you're going to speak to them and show them and transform them. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that, man, we just have just fresh encounters with your love. Man, that just draw us in closer to you and we see you for who you are. Lord, we love you and we honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.